0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 5 of the Nuts About Pucks podcast. I'm your host Ali Tanani, also known as at News IG on Instagram. And in today's episode, our guest is Eric Gopising of Talking Hockey. Talking Hockey is one of the fastest growing hockey accounts on Instagram. They've gained over 11,000 followers in the past year. And Eric, he's the co-founder of that account. And we just had a great conversation. We talked about a variety of topics from racism in hockey to the Penguins player testing positive for COVID recently to the play-in bracket, breaking down those matchups, draft analysis, we each gave our top five prospects, and just a a bunch of uh, really interesting stuff. It was a great interview, so let's get straight to the interview. All right, well, uh, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having
0: me. Yeah, no worries. So, uh... Some news today, a statement from the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Pittsburgh Penguins were advised today that a player tested positive for the COVID-19 virus. The player is not in Pittsburgh and has been in isolation at his home since first experiencing symptoms. He's recovered and feeling well. Those in close contact with the player leading up to his diagnosis have have been notified. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting because... This is clearly going to happen a lot more as we get closer and closer to the season and more players start coming into North America. They start getting into training camps. They're all interacting together. They're all in, they're all in close quarters. Like, no matter how much you want to try to socially distance them, it's not <laughs> really possible to keep the players away from each other, especially in hockey with such a close contact sport. And, uh, you know, small benches and everything like that. And, you know, sm- smaller ice space compared to mm-hmm. – uh soccer and stuff like that so it's going to be interesting it's going to be and I think there are the yeah, NHL is going to have major problems with it because there's obviously you know in the news guys like Max Domi who have uh you know uh, prior health issues with diabetes and stuff so you know seeing what the situation is with them and if they're able to come into the league is going to be really interesting
0: yeah like me as, as a hockey fan I want it to return but I don't know if it's just gonna if it's gonna work out just because of everything you said um. yeah like I, I don't know it could end up either being really good or it could just like crash really bad and look bad on the league but then the NBA is going ahead with it too so it's not yeah NHL is- I think
1: it's a little different with the NBA though because at least most of their players are already in country where yeah, a yeah. lot of, like you know almost half the NHL is from the United States coming to Canada Canada going to the United States everyone from Europe Russia and everything coming in so it's going to be you know, you're bringing in people from all over the world, basically, into your countries and then hosting them in, in hub cities. So it's going to be, uh, mm. it might be kind of a mess. We will, I guess we'll see. Yeah.
0: And <laughs> moving on to another kind of big topic, there's like obviously a lot of protests going on now about like ending racism and all that sort of stuff. And you have like Akeem Aliou and uh, Evander Kane like kind of leading that charge in the NHL. What do you think like needs to be done to help eradicate racism in hockey? So
1: I think it has to start at a junior level or or even, you know, before, you you know, before junior, before the OHL, before the WHL, but it has to start at like the very junior, junior levels of hockey. You know, when you're first coming into and getting into hockey, five, six, seven years old and all that kind of stuff. I think, you know, you have to have a lot of um, right to play programs and stuff. You know, the NHL already has a lot Mm -hmm. of those types of programs in place, but they tend to bring in a lot more white people than they do other races yeah. just because those are the types of people that are in, most interested in joining that kind of sport so they need to do better at you know outreach and stuff like that i think with regards to the Akimelu situation i think they kind of the nhl kind of showed where they stood on the issue yeah. in a sense because they basically didn't say anything you know like yeah. that player tribune article came out i want to say two weeks ago now And I don't think we heard anything from anywhere in the NHL. I don't think a single team commented on it. And it took all this insane amount of pressure from people and huge riots and protests for just to get the NHL to say anything. And then once the NHL did say something, they basically just said, we don't support systemic racism. It's awful that he was killed. And then that was Mm -hmm. it. They didn't commit to any changes. They didn't commit to you know they just said we'll do better but you know it's easy to say you'll do better it's harder to actually implement actions that say that you'll be doing better and show that you'll do better um so you know I'm kind of disappointed on the NHL's uh on the NHL front because they had the opportunity to come out strong you know EA Sports for example they uh they came out strong and they were like okay we're going to donate a million dollars to these different causes we're going to match up to another million dollars and all these other for all these mm-hmm. other causes they you know they in, instituted a volunteering program for employees so that they can volunteer with all these different uh, organizations. So uh, it's just, it's kind of disappointing on the NHL front, but at the same time they have a ton of work to do, and it's mm-hmm. it, it's sad seeing that they didn't really show any steps for how they were gonna, you know, be, be better.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's like to your point about it starting on a on a junior level. Like I love this Nelson Mandela quote about how nobody's born like hating another like person yeah. of color, like no another color. Uh, So I think, yeah, they just need to teach like acceptance. They need to like preach acceptance and preach that, you know, like everybody like can play hockey, like hockey's for everyone. Yeah. I think
1: like the, I think like one key aspect of it is the sense of diversity when you're younger, when you're surrounded by other people that don't necessarily always look like you. I think you become more empathetic to their types of issues that they might be facing. Yeah. So, you know, if you grow up in a very multicultural multicultural society, you're much less likely to have preconceived biases against other races and other p- groups of people. Whereas if you grow up with all people that look exactly like you, you're more likely to have those types of biases within you. So that's kind of part of the NHL's problem where it's these mm-hmm. kind of inner circles and, you know, they everyone that plays a game looks alike. everyone that plays a game grew up the same way and faced the same kinds of challenges. And they don't, you know, they don't have the view of outside of their kind of issues. And I think we're seeing that now with all the NHL players that are coming out and sp- speaking about this, they're saying, Hey, we never really, I never really thought about it like this before. I never thought about these issues before, but it's time that we yeah. noticed it. And I think oh, that's a pretty consistent theme with all the different NHL players that have released statements. And obviously it's great that they're saying that now, but it's also sad that it took them all the way up until their mid-20s or even 30s in some cases to even realize that this was an issue.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, So now moving on to... um a different topic. So Pierre Lebrun today said that the NHL and the NHLPA put finishing touches on a formal agreement announced last week. So basically what it is is both sides uh, agreed that it'll be best of seven in all playoff rounds, except for the playing round. It'll be best of five. And the teams will be reseeded after each round. Like, uh, I don't know if I get that. Do you understand what that is?
1: Yeah. So from my understanding of it, like, it's just, it'll be reseeded each round based off of, so once the qual- so once the play in round is done and all the teams mm-hmm. that have qualified and made it in and then they'll and then who they face will be based off of who won in the uh, the um, the round robin I guess for the top yeah, yeah, teams yeah. In these divisions and then af- and then next round it'll all change so we won't have I don't think any team will have any idea as to who they're facing in the next round basically cuz it's just going to be kind of random in a sense that's what I got from it but I'm not exactly sure I was kind of confused because I saw the same tweets that you did and I think I saw you yeah. post, post what what they said but I didn't really understand what they meant by reseating and how they're specifically are specifically going to do it
0: yeah yeah before we talk about the the plan around I want to ask you a little bit about your like account like how did uh, you start that like what was the motivation behind that
1: um it was actually it's a funny story I um so I was just about to graduate university, so I was in my fourth year. It was, like, yeah. February. You know, you're applying to all these different jobs and trying to figure out what you're going to do for yeah. the rest of your life or at least for the next, you know, couple years. And uh, I realized I didn't really like any of the jobs that I was applying for.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, I decided, okay, like, what what do I really love? And I said, I like marketing and I like hockey. I like so I like sports just in general, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like, I want to try to get a job in sports. So I applied to all these different major sports outlets and sport media outlets in, uh, in toronto i got an yeah. interview with one of them went in uh finished my first interview and then never heard back from them
2: <laughs> yeah
1: uh, and i thought like i had some really great ideas because I, I was sharing all my ideas about how i thought they could increase engagement um yeah yeah and all, all these different ideas and how they could create more content and stuff like that but i never heard back from them so i decided i'm just going to do it myself and show them mm-hmm. that you know my ideas were right and then hopefully gain a big enough following where it could at least you know i could leverage it into new opportunities so that was kind of the background as to why i started the page
0: well it's obviously worked out like your your account's like i think one of the fastest growing hockey pages it's going pretty yeah i think we've grown
1: like 11 to eleven thousand in the last year and a bit um yeah that's
0: that's really good that's a a lot more than it took it's taken me a while to get to 30k How, Uh, how
1: long have you been on instagram for
0: uh since 2015 but like i'm only 17 right so i've been doing yeah. this since i was like tw- like 12. <laughs> jesus okay yeah, yeah yes. so it's not been like a main it's not been a main thing for me it's just kind of been like a hobby but and it's, it just took off so mm-hmm. that's how it works that's awesome. so, i
1: didn't even realize you were 17 jesus <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> yeah so social media is a, a weird place like that like some people somehow it just takes off yeah it's randomly yeah all right so um Let's look at the play-in bracket a little bit. Let me just try and find where it was. Uh, I don't know, but I know that the Canucks are playing uh, the Minnesota Wild. That's going to be an interesting one. Those are yeah. two teams that have overachieved uh, yeah. a little bit here.
1: Yeah, I think like both teams kind of overachieved. I think Minnesota... They might even have some issues because uh, Devin Dubnik said that he might not even play because if he's not allowed to see his family, he doesn't want to. And he, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, because it's something about how his wife has had had health issues in the past year, so Mm -hmm. he doesn't want to put her more at risk, which is completely fair, obviously on his part. Um, So, like they're losing their starting goaltender and obviously Dubnik hasn't been very good the past two years, but that's still, you know, their starting goalie that they've relied on for the last two years um, or the last like four or five years he's been with Minnesota. Um, I think Minnesota is the better defensive team by far. Like I don't think uh-huh. it's even very close there. You know, their top four Jonas Brodin, Matt Dumba, Jared Spurgeon, Ryan Suter is, you know, among the best in the league uh, defensively mm-hmm. and very, very solid offensively like Matt Dumba last season before he, Went down with injury. Was on pace for like almost 30 goals and almost point per game. And then this season, uh, he kind of slowed down a little bit. Jared Spurgeon's one of the best defensemen in the NHL. Period. Jonas yeah. um, Brodin's elite defensively. Ryan Suter's great all around. So then, and then on the other side, they have a very weak offense. And Vancouver has you know those dyna- that dynamic front two lines with Pedersen, JT Miller, Brock Besser. So um, it's going to mm-hmm. be an interesting series this, for sure um Vancouver has a better goaltending with Markstrom so uh, yeah
0: yeah like I saw someone make a point about how like the Leafs might be a bigger threat to win in this type of format because they're like a young team so they can get off faster and I think like Minnesota they've gotten younger but I think Vancouver is definitely like a more youthful team so that could work to their advantage as well
1: yeah but I also the other way I was kind of looking at it was the older teams like Minnesota might also have an advantage because they're all the older guys now that would have been worn down after a long season uh, mm. might have a little bit more energy, might be healed up a little bit more,
0: That's true. and stuff like
1: that. So I think it's gonna be. I think it can go both ways, where uh, the younger teams will have an advantage. They can get off to a faster start, but the older players, you know, they won't be held back by yeah. all the nagging injuries and stuff that they would have if they went right into the playoffs after the regular season.
0: I'm looking at the stats right now, and Kevin Fiala has had like a terrific season. 54 points in 64 games yeah um, he,
1: he went off this year um especially towards like the latter half of the season um i'm so glad i drafted him in fantasy because <laughs> that really worked yeah, out for me um yeah yeah uh there, the problem is he's not enough in my opinion to kind of take mm-hmm. on minnesota uh sorry take on vancouver i think yeah. petterson you know jt miller brock besser bro horvat um, even Tyler fully, you know, they have the forward depth to kind of overtake Minnesota. And Minnesota kind of sold at the deadline, too, right? Like they got rid of Jason Zucker for futures. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and I don't know how Fiala is going to do, you know, having to take on the bigger, you know, take on the primary defensive units from uh, Vancouver. So, you know, he's probably going to be up against Quinn Hughes, Alexandra Edler, and stuff like that a little bit more frequently. So it'll be interesting to see.
0: Yeah. All right, so next matchup, let's look at the Predators and the Coyotes. That's uh, that's interesting one.
1: Yeah, I think uh, both didn't have great years. Like, Nashville was very, very bad this year outside of a mm-hmm. few key players. You know, Ryan Ellis was amazing. Roman Yossi probably deserves the Norris this season. Um, and then, you know, UC Saros, their backup goaltender, performed much better than Pecorino did but then basically yeah. their entire forward group kind of disappointed like Duchenne <laughs> didn't come out and do what you know have a great season by any means mm-hmm. Philip Forsberg didn't have a great season Ryan Johansson didn't They're have very a great inconsistent
0: season. the whole season very
1: well. very inconsistent the entire season for sure and I think you know Ryan Johansson and Philip Forsberg they have the talent like we've seen in the past where they're capable of putting up 70 point Seasons, and it's just very disappointing seeing the kind of production that they've been putting up over the last two years. Um, and then going up against Arizona, who also doesn't have much offensive, uh, yeah, the talent, you know, they brought in Taylor Hall, who had probably the worst season of his career. Um, this mm-hmm. season, and then outside of that, you know, they have Clayton Keller, who's you know solid but not spectacular by any means, Phil Kessel, who's you know started to fall off and show his age a little bit, Derek Stepan, who you know a second line center at best so it's 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 looking like it'll kind of be a little bit more of a boring series from a (laughs) offense perspective um but i think i think arizona has a very good chance of winning the series just off their goaltending i think think. yeah their depth they have very good depth defensively too so i think they can match up with nashville that way and then their offense they don't really have one but I think, you know, that yeah. they have elite goaltending. So it'll be a close series, I think, for sure. But mm-hmm. I think I trust Kemper and Ranta more than I do Pecorino.
0: Yeah. You know, an interesting player on the Coyotes, Clayton Keller, yeah, he had a, such a great rookie season, uh, 65 points. And then, like, the last two seasons, he just hasn't, like, performed to the potential that everyone thought uh, he was going to reach. So, like, you think, like... All hopes lost, I yeah, think he's got Like some... it's
1: it's a very interesting story because like like you said like his best season was his rookie year and then ever yeah. since then he's he's kind of like let down and I think part of it is just that he hasn't had a very good team around him to kind of develop. He hasn't had anyone else to kind of support the load offensively. Yeah. Um so you know that obviously affects his development somewhat. But at the same time like Arizona when gave him a 7 million dollar deal. Long-term yeah, yeah, deal, I think, yeah. for seven years. Um. So, you know, he has to perform up to that deal. And I don't think you can make the excuse that, oh, I don't have anyone around me anymore. You have Taylor Hall. You have Phil Kessel there.
0: Yeah. So you
1: have guys that are good offensively and can shoot the puck and can make passes and make offensive plays. So he has to, you know, like if, if Arizona wants a chance of coming out of the series and making the playoffs, they have to hope that Keller kind of steps up because Nashville does have a very good top four defensive unit. So, you know, he's gonna be put up against Yoshi and Ellis and Matthias yeah. Eckholm all all uh all series long.
0: Yeah. Speaking of Eckholm, he followed me on Instagram for fifteen minutes and then unfollowed me. So <laughs> Matthias Eckholm, if you're listening to this, what's the what's the deal? Why'd you do that <laughs> to <hilarious>. me? <laughs> That's hilarious.
2: Yeah. Oh. Yeah.
0: Uh, but uh for the coyotes, like chemistry is such a big thing in hockey uh and like you got kessel it's his first year at the coyotes like taylor hall has played half a year so if like that keller like kessel um who's the other guy Hall uh combination to start to get some chemistry like on the power play and if they're playing on the same line then that could be really dangerous like from a
1: yeah yeah i, I agree like kessel obviously he, he's a very good passer he's a very good playmaker especially on the power play you know he was piling up the power play assists on uh his, the Pitts, Pittsburgh's unit, um he hasn't done too well in Arizona so far, obviously. Mm-hmm. But Arizona doesn't have any offensive talent anywhere on their uh, on their top power play unit outside of Keller basically. Until Taylor Hall came in, um they're gonna have to hope that Taylor Hall kind of brings back his 2017 2018 form uh, when he yeah. won the Hart, uh because that's kind of the only chance that they have of uh going further.
0: Okay, right, this next one i think is going to be one of the most entertaining play-in series is the oilers and the blackhawks mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah i i agree because it's two teams that basically aren't very good defensively and yeah. uh the oilers don't have good goaltending but the but the blackhawks do have very good goaltending but they have yeah. the they're the worst defensive team in the nhl or probably second worst behind detroit i guess um So it will be interesting to see. Um, Obviously, you know, there's a lot of people in the media talking about Chicago potentially, uh, you know, stealing the series because of all their playoff experience and stuff like that. And and I think they can steal the series, but I don't think it's going to be because of their playoff experience. I think it's going to be because the Oilers don't have great goaltending and their defense their um uh, their depth forwards, you know, their bottom two lines aren't exactly that great compared to Chicago. Um but obviously they will be able to take advantage of Chicago's defense, right? Like Duncan Keith is going to yeah. have to get matched up against McDavid every single night yeah, basically, that's, and that's a nightmare scenario for him because is. he is nowhere near the Duncan Keith that was playing 30 minutes a night in
0: 2015. He's <laughs> yeah, 100%, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but i think if you look at the blackhawks roster just from a, a talent perspective they have some of the most like talented rosters in the nhl like uh guys like nylander and strom they're not the best performers but like you can't deny that they have like a talent and they could come together at any point point. and then like dominic kubelik i'm not sure if that's how you pronounce his name mm-hmm. yeah, He actually follows me shout out dominic kubelik uh <laughs> but he's a great goal scorer uh and then like, even like a guy like actually eric Gustin got traded but yeah like they, yeah, it's, I think they it's have because
1: the Blackhawks sold off because they knew they weren't going to make the playoffs, and now they're in a play-in round with fifty percent odds or forty-seven percent odds or whatever it is to make the playoffs now. So yeah. they were very benef- they are a huge beneficiary of the new uh, playoff format for sure. Yeah.
0: yeah, I just think though, if I had to make a choice on who would win the series, like you could make an argument that McDavid and Drysdale are the two best players in the game. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I'm not saying that's what that's what it is, but you can make an argument that they are. So I think like the when you have two players of that magnitude, like a Malkin, Crosby, kind of modern age, Malkin, Crosby, it's gonna be hard to stop them. I think yeah. that the Oilers probably win. That's
1: what I was thinking too. Like if you look at the who who's gonna match up with them in the series, like okay, Taves is probably gonna take McDavid. Like yeah. will go with that, sure. But Taves is gonna lose that matchup. Mm-hmm. Like Taves isn't the player he was in 2014, 2013, 2012 he like just like the rest of the Blackhawks roster basically he's kind of aged out of his prime now yeah and mcdavid's right in the middle of his just absolutely killing it right now offensively and uh you know mcdavid's gonna come in that into that series completely healthy ready to go um and then uh, and then who, who's gonna match up against tricidadal right like
2: yeah are
1: you have are you gonna have Dylan strom against drycidadal because I don't like <laughs> Dylan strom's odds there um yeah and then their third line center uh. Whoever I uh, can't, leave God, third line centers escaping my um, head.
0: Could right. maybe or Kajula? That, uh, I don't.
1: Say. Is it straight Kajula?
0: I think it's I think it's Kirby
1: Doc. I think.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, yeah. yeah, I want to say Kirby Doc runs that third yeah. line, um, and I think Kublik's on his wing. So like they have a solid third yeah. line, like, and I think that's where they can kind of create some differentiation between them and Edmonton. Their third and fourth lines are better than Edmonton's third and fourth lines. But yeah. Edmonton's first two lines are definitely better than Chicago's yeah. uh, first two lines.
0: Yeah, I think that's going to be uh, one that's going to be really interesting to watch. That might even go to, like, a game five. Uh, okay, so next, last one in the Western Conference, uh, the Flames and the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, those are two teams that have kind of underperformed this season, but they, I think they're both dark horses. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um... Like, the Flames went from being one of, the, like, the best Western Conference team to one of, like, you know, a middle of the pack Western Conference team, basically, yeah. in the span of a year. Um, everyone basically completely underperformed after last year or yeah. the year before having overperformed. They did deal with a lot of injuries, uh, especially on their blue line, a couple young guys that were out long-term. Mm-hmm um and then but Ridge performed well this season he played i think 48 games for them and played 22 so we yeah. is going to be the starter going into that playoff series after the the flames kind of screwed him last time and started mike smith over him
2: yeah
1: um so you know he's probably going to come in there really hoping to win that job over and prove them right and prove or prove prove them wrong i should say mm-hmm. uh that, that they should have started him in the last playoff series um Godreau and Monaghan and Lindholm all had very bad seasons yeah yeah Godrow was abysmal that this was the worst season of his career basically and like even his rookie season he was much better than this mm-hmm. um, and then by Godro not having a great season Monaghan also didn't have a good season by any means so Cal- mm-hmm. like if if they Calgary can get their top line kind of going that kind of has a you know a it, it it affects the rest of the lineup as well, and kind of allows yeah. the rest of the line to kind of play their game. Um, the second line with Backlund and Kachuk, I can see them matching up against uh, Shifley, the Shifley mm-hmm. Wheeler line. Um, if Wheeler ends up playing on the on the line with Shifley instead of on the second line as center, uh, I'm not sure if Brian Little is back. I think he is. So that's going to be a huge help for Winnipeg. Obviously, they lost him for basically the entire season. So losing your yeah. second-line center, obviously, you hurt them. Um, but obviously, the biggest loss with Winnipeg this season was troop, losing Truba, and then losing on top of that Bufflin. Yeah. Um, so that kind of just crushed their defensive core. So it's going to be interesting to see because Calgary has an elite defensive core. Giordano, TJ Brody, Rasmus Anderson, Bellumaki, uh Mm -hmm. Noah Hannafin they have a really deep defense core and Winnipeg doesn't at all but Winnipeg has very high-end scoring talent that performed well this year Ellers, uh, Shifley, Line A, Wheeler um, and Calgary's top line didn't so it's going to be a great series I'm betting that uh, Calgary comes out Mm -hmm. on top just because I think their defense is better and I think their uh, forward lines match up well against Winnipeg's but I think it's also a very close series. I can go to five,
0: especially if
1: Buck can uh, win them a couple games after having a Vesna-worthy season.
0: Yeah, that, that's exactly what I was about to uh, raise the point of. Is uh, Connor book I think it's like the X factor here because he's had like ar- he's ar- arguably the favorite for the Vesna, and if, if he can continue that play, uh, then they could very well uh, very well come out as the victors in the series. All right, so let's look at the Eastern Conference here. Um, okay, let's look at the Penguins and the Canadians. Yeah,
1: that's a really interesting series. I actually just yeah. did an analysis for them in our story. Um, just going over the potential lineups and what their strengths and weaknesses is. Um, obviously, Pittsburgh's forward group is better. There's no question about it. Yeah. Pittsburgh runs four lines and rules four lines deep. They all have... Uh, four very solid lines. Their fourth line with the uh, ten of Teddy Bluger, and Zach Ashton Reese is one of the best defensive lines in the NHL, uh, best mm-hmm. shutdown lines in the NHL, I should say. Um, so I assume they're going to get that line's going to get matched up against the Deneau, Tatar, uh, Brendan Gallagher line, who is Montreal's mm-hmm. best line by far. And then you know uh, Pittsburgh's going to try to get Crosby matchups against the third and fourth lines or mm-hmm. cope that Malkin and Crosby can get matched up against their third and fourth lines. Uh, and that's going to be huge for them, I think. Uh, and I think it could be a differentiator between them and the Canadians. I think the Canadians and Montreal have very similar blue lines in terms mm-hmm. of talent level. Um, Shea Weber, Latang, very good NHL defenseman. Latang's better at this point in his career, in my opinion. Um, but then at the same time, Pittsburgh's playing Jack Johnson on their bottom pair. Mm-hmm. And I think Montreal is going to try to take advantage of that. I think they will try to get that Deno line up against Jack Johnson because the, their Deno gallagher tatar line is one of the best possession lines in the NHL, the best at generating uh, chances. Yeah. And Jack Johnson's like a possession black hole. He just can't keep the puck, can't pass the puck out of his own zone, can't deny zone entry. He's just a complete mess, basically. So I think that's the way Montreal is going to try to take advantage of it, and then I guess uh, it's going to be a goaltending battle between Carey Price and one of Matt Murray or Tristan Jari. I don't know yeah. who's going to start for them. Tristan Jarry obviously had a better season, but yeah. Matt Murray has won them two cups, and I don't. I think there's going to be a little bit of a goalie controversy there if there is going to be one in in these playing rounds. I think that's one that's going to that's going to be the biggest kind of goaltending battle going into the season or going into yeah.
0: the. I mean, if I was if I was the coach of the Penguins, if I was uh, Mike Sullivan, I would definitely ride with the, ride the hot hand and go with Tristan Jarry because that's what they did in 2016, pretty much with Matt Murray and Flurry. Mm-hmm. They just rode the hot hand, gave him a chance, and if you look at the statistics, there's not really a, a competition at all. So
1: yeah, like Tristan Jarry clearly had the better season this year. There's no question about it. But the way I'm looking at this also is it's mm-hmm. kind of like a new season right yeah like like by the time they step onto the ice for the playing rounds they wouldn't have played an nhl game for four months or Mm -hmm. even longer right so it's it you're you're basically just seeing who's going to go who's going to be better going into the new season so it's going to be almost an even competition the way i see it just because matt murray was clearly better the previous three or four years but Mm -hmm. jarley clearly had the better season this year yeah
0: and goalies are weird like that too. like just you know like there's so many variables to how goalies perform. They could just all of a sudden get hot and that's how it works. yeah with goalies.
1: yeah goal yeah, especially like, that that's why I don't like this whole idea of price potentially stealing a series. It's like every almost any goalie can steal a series in a five game series because yeah. it just whatever goalie gets hot, that's usually the team that ends up winning the series regardless. So, so, you know, Price could get hot and win Montreal the series for sure, but so could Tristan Jari and so could Matt Murray. And Matt Murray's already yeah, exactly. won it twice, all the way to the cup yeah. finals.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know. Oh, I would love to see Patrick Marleau get a cup. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. I think
1: I, Pittsburgh loves bringing in the one old guy to come, yeah. come in who's close to retiring and win them a cup. They did with Matt Cullen for, like, years, just continually bringing him in on the fourth line just basically playing him on the penalty kill in like three or four even strength minutes and then but they won him whatever two cups i guess all
0: right so this next series uh if there's any series that's already everyone's already saying there's going to be an upset it's carolina new york new york's Mm -hmm. already kind of been uh an upset favorite what are your thoughts on that series
1: yeah, I think it's an interesting series because everyone's talking about how Carolina didn't want to draw the New York Rangers and then yeah. saying they're scared of them, which I don't really believe. Yes, they yeah. lost the se- the series rounds against them in the in the regular season. I think they were four or zero and four against the Rangers this year, mm-hmm. so I get that. But Carolina's yeah. also we have to remember they are the better team, just a, objectively the better team. Rangers mm-hmm. had a very good hot second half of the season. But it also relied a lot on Panarin having the best season of his career by far. And it relied on them getting some of the best goaltending in the NHL. So uh-huh. even a little bit of regression there. And then Zabanajad was scoring a goal a game basically towards the latter half of the season. Yeah. Um, so expect that to regress too. I think a lot of people aren't realizing <laughs> how uh, how much luck kind of played in the factor, and the Rangers yeah. in, the game in that spot they only had a 20% chance of even making the playoffs before, before this.
2: Yeah.
1: Now they're almost 50, 50 with Carolina. Um, mm-hmm. But what I will say is even though Carolina lost all four games to the Rangers this year, um, yeah. they also lost all four games to Washington the year before. Oh, <laughs> and really? they ended up winning that series. So I like, obviously it shows something that New York, the Rangers were able to beat Carolina, but the, also that's a small sample size. And you, like it's not like it's impossible for Carolina to beat the Rangers. And I think Carolina showed that if they can beat Washington, I don't see why they couldn't beat a team like the mm-hmm. Rangers. Um, Carolina clearly has the better defensive corpse. Yeah. You know, Dougie Hamilton, J- Jacob Slavin, uh, Brett Pesky. Uh, uh, who else am I missing? Brendan uh, Shea, um, Sammy Vatman now. Um, yeah that's a
0: stacked defense yeah they have a very good
1: defense and it's even boosted even more by the fact that they brought the the latter two guys in at the end of the season um yeah joel edmondson trevor uh trevor van Reemsdijk. uh they just have so much defensive depth they have the most defensive depth in the nhl right now it's insane um and then they have a very good but not incredible forward corps like they have a very Mm. They have some really good pieces there. I like Sebastian Nikov. I think he's going to be one of the best wingers in the NHL if he isn't already uh-huh. top 20. Um, i like Sebastian Aho, obviously. Uh, yeah. Number one center, very good. And I think he's better than Zibanejad, or at least equivalent to Zibanejad. So, you know, I like their matchup potential there. I like that they brought in Vincent Troshek. I think he matches up really well against Dylan Strom on the second line. Um and then I like Taro Tuevo uh, Tarivan who's you know one of the best defensive wingers in the NHL mm-hmm. um, and I think you know they'll try to get him out against Panarin as much as possible
0: yeah Wait, so if you're if you're uh, David Quinn who are you going to start in that for the series that's
1: yeah that's yeah. an interesting question because do you go with the the guy that's carried you for the last decade and a half yeah. or do you go with you know, the young Russian guy that's just come in and played twelve NHL games or whatever it was, 15 NHL. Yeah, 12. Games. yeah. Yeah, 12, there you go. So so if I'm David Quinn, I'm putting in Shisterkin because I regardless of what happens in this in this specific play in round, I don't see the Rangers winning a cup this year. Yeah. So, me either. And because of that, I'm more inclined to give the young guy a chance to go prove himself. And if he you know, if he screws up and they have to throw Longfus in, then they have him, right? They have him as that backup. Mm-hmm. They can put him in, they have the steady hand that's played God knows how many playoff playoff yeah, rounds. Yeah. Um, but give the young guy a chance to go and improve himself and uh, they can see what they have in him, basically, right? So I don't see anything I don't see any reason why they don't give Shisterkin the chance to earn that uh, starting role.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you one hundred percent on that. And I think a team like the Hurricanes that's built from the back out, they have, like, the the foundation of a cup-winning team. Like, they're mm-hmm. like when their defense like, obviously Hamilton, he's coming off the broken leg, but I, I think he should be ready for the playoffs. But a team with that strong of a defense, if their Fords are also playing a, a good defensive game and just playing uh, to their potential, I think the Hurricanes, like, with the way they started the season, is, too, really hot. If they play like that, I think they could actually win the cup.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, oh, I didn't even mention, like, they have Jake Gardner, too, who, had a oh, very yeah. bad season by his standards, but like he's going to improve and he's going to rebound. So they have him too as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like their chances. I think Carolina's only weakness really is in net. They have uh, Mrazic and they have uh, – who's the other guy? <laughs> uh,
0: uh, I don't know. I'm drawing a blank I'm bl- I'm as well. Blank.
1: Oh, Reimer. James Reimer, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they have those two in net. Um I don't know who's going to be starting. My thought, my like first instinct goes to Mrazek, but Mrazek isn't as good as just is at this point. So they lose a goaltending battle potentially, which you know goaltending can go a long way in a series. So we'll see. Yeah,
0: Mrazek is like one of the most inconsistent goalies like ever like when he's good he's really good but when he's bad it's bad
1: yeah his his like month to month numbers are insane to like look at it's (laughs) like one month he's like one of the best and next month he's one of the worst and it's just on and on so what is he gonna be i don't know (laughs) yeah but if he's more if he's on his game Carolina wins the series for sure
0: yeah all right so islanders and panthers that's a that's an interesting one
1: yeah, um the yeah, so the Islanders obviously, you know, Barry Trotz just won a cup with Washington 2 years ago. Um coached the Islanders, swept the pen, Pens last season, but then lost to Carolina in the second round. Um I think they have a very it's a very similar team to the one that they had the previous year. Mm-hmm. So I see them, you know, acting very the same, playing very same. They have basically the exact same system going in. Um They're going to be relying on a lot on their goaltending to get the job done in their elite defense. It's going to be a very shutdown game with you know they don't have many guys to score up front um, outside of Barzell and Anders Lee. Basically, they don't have much offensive talent there. You know, Jordan Eberle isn't exactly the offensively dynamic player that he used to be by any means. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that's going to be up against you know Florida with Barkov and Huberdeau i don't like hoffman. how and hoffman and Dadanov they have some elite scores there i don't like how florida got rid of Trocheck for a couple yeah. of basically third line or fourth line players in my opinion uh so i think they got a little bit weaker there um so it's going to be interesting and then it's going to i think it, a lot of it's going to depend on Bobrovsky and what he does right he had an awful yeah. season just a god awful season and just after he got a $10 million deal, taking up a huge percentage of their cap. Uh, mm-hmm. But he, like he did in Columbus, he helped to win Columbus that playoff series against Tampa. Yeah, so, yeah. And, and that was after not having that great of a regular season. He didn't. He wasn't as bad as he was this year, but he didn't have a great one. So Borowski comes in playing at his best. Florida can definitely take the series because they have the offensive talent and if they get good goaltending, they can get it done. I think Florida's biggest biggest weakness going into the series is their defense.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, outside of basically Ekblad and Mackenzie Wieger, they don't have much defensive talent. Like Keith Yandel's great on the power play, but absolutely awful at even strength, especially defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Matheson has been brutal since signing that eight year yeah. yeah. or eight year four point five million dollar deal just a complete mm-hmm. mess and then anton Strahlman. you know his best years are far behind him he, he's yeah. a solid player but not great and you know i don't want to see him up against barzal every single yeah, day and, so.
0: and he might not even play either because he's expressed some concerns about because he has i think yeah, asthma I, yeah. yeah
1: i think i did see that too yeah, yeah. so even, even if he doesn't play then definitely some major issues um yeah so, and then the Islanders, obviously, best one of the best defensive teams in the NHL. You know, Ryan Polak, Devin Taves, uh, Nick Letty, who, isn't, who hasn't exactly been that great. But they have, you know, Ryan Polak is, has been amazing this season. You know, mm-hmm. I think he if you look at his numbers, he's been, you know, top 10 guy basically this year. Um, I think he's overachieved a little bit. I will say mm-hmm. that. But he is an amazing talent nonetheless. So I'm giving this series to the Islanders because I think their defense will win out in the end. But I think yeah. Florida can put put up a real fight with their, you know, more dynamic offensive talent, and potentially Bobrovsky going off and uh, performing up to yeah old standards.
0: Yeah, if I had to bet, I would go with the Islanders just because of the way they play the the structured game they play. It's been really effective. Like last year, I got through I think okay. to. I don't know what round they got to last year. Yeah, they got remember, to the but... second round against. Second round, Carolina.
1: yeah. Against Carolina.
0: Yeah, and then this year they had like they went through like that period where they're just on absolute fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So if they play like that, then I don't think it's much of a series. Yeah. I
1: think the Islanders' problem was that towards the latter half of the season they were just not good by any means after having a really good first half of the season. Um. Mm-hmm. The. I think they were among the best teams in the NHL for the first, you know, 20 to 30 games, and they kind of just fell off. So which team are they? Are they that first half team or that second half team? I guess we'll have to see.
0: Yeah, that's the big question. All right, so last series is the Maple Leafs and the Columbus Blue Jackets. I think that's the one that's going to get a, a lot of scrutiny. Yeah, I think
1: this might be one of the most watched ones, mm-hmm. simply because, you know, every everyone's going to be looking to see if columbus yeah. can pull another kind of upset i think the odds makers have the leafs around 60 percent right now for winning yeah. the series so but that's that's basically the odds that columbus had against uh tampa bay the season yeah. before the matchup's really interesting because it's the leafs one of the best offensive teams in the nhl against columbus who are one of the best defensive teams in the nhl uh uh-huh. columbus doesn't have much offensive talent they have dubois warenski i uh, sorry not uh, uh, Ken Atkinson, and then Warenski mm-hmm. from the blue line, who's very good offensively. But you know, they don't yeah. have much, they don't have many offensive stars up there up front. Mm-hmm. But Leafs, John Tavares, William Nylander, Austin Matthews, yeah. Rich Marner, they just have waves of guys that they can throw at you who are very good offensively. Um, but Columbus was a shutdown team this year by all means, mm-hmm. they knew they didn't have the offensive talent to work with john tortorella instituted a very defensively oriented system Mm -hmm. their goaltending was amazing which really helped them yeah and the leafs goaltending this year frederick anderson was had the worst season of his career so if frederick anderson comes back and plays the way he usually does i don't see the leafs losing this series because of their offensive ability plus getting good goaltending but if they get the si- the same goaltending that they got all regular season long. I can see Columbus stealing the series just because if Columbus can limit their chances a little bit, then get elite goaltending behind that, mm-hmm. I think they could steal the series.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think it's like Elvis, uh, he didn't have the greatest start to his career, but then like I don't know if it was like January ish, but he just went on this like absolute tear for yeah, like- just
1: shut down after or uh, shut out, not shut down, yeah. shut out after shut out, just yeah. annihilating teams basically. Single-handedly for them, so I think in that sense the Blue Jackets kind of overachieved a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. What are the odds that he puts up nine thirty goaltending again? But if if he does get if he does get on a roll, he does perform well, and the Leafs don't get good goaltending, I can see Columbus taking the series. But my bet, my money would be on the Leafs.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think the Leafs definitely are the favorite, but with like the the heavy type of game that the Blue Jackets like play, the the nitty gritty mm-hmm. and uh like Seth Jones being such a big presence from the back, Zach Ransky being uh-huh. such a big presence. I think they do have a chance, but it's they're definitely gonna be the underdogs.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. They have some really great guys on the defensive end. Yeah. Um and the Leafs just don't. So the Leafs are going to give up a lot of high-quality chances around the slot. Yeah. And Columbus has a lot of those big, tough guys that are going to get to those places on the ice. Yeah. And they're going to cause them some problems there. And like you said with the whole... The Leafs don't have a lot of tough, physical guys and the Blue Jackets do. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of... Uh, what kind of social distancing aspects the league tries to enforce in gameplay. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. are they gonna prevent scrums from happening? Like what are they gonna do in that aspect of it? I don't yeah. think we've heard much about that yet. Um so that that could also influence the series too, right? Because if Columbus players can't really get into leaf spaces as much, fight them or, you know, rough them up a little bit more, they might have a little uh, a couple issues winning that series as well.
0: Yeah, that that was a, a great point. All right, so that was uh, all the playing around. So I want to talk a little bit about the draft. That's probably not going to be till like October now. But who's like your top five for the draft?
1: Yeah. So my top five. Uh, my first two were pretty easy for me. It's Lafreniere and Byfield. Uh, Lafreniere, yeah. amazing playmaker, great skater. He's you know he's, he's been number one. For the last like three years, basically, I think everyone's yeah. known he's going to be number one for a while. He mm-hmm. was compared a lot to Crosby as when he was younger, but as he's aged up, I think his best comparison um, for ceiling wise is kind of like yeah. a Matthews. I don't see him being McDavid. I don't see him being Crosby, but in that next tier kind of player, mm-hmm. um, I could see him having a media impact right away, and then at number two, Byfield. Um, I just love byfield. I hate making comparisons between players because mm-hmm. it creates a lot of bias and it kind of hurts your perception of a player. But he reminds me a lot of like Malkin is what I like to say. Just mm-hmm. is what I like to say. Just big guy able to control the puck so well, enter the zone so easily, keeps control of the puck so well, de- can yeah. deke players out, a great shot. He he's for sure my number two guy. Yeah. There's a lot of criticisms of him because he doesn't seem to compete hard enough apparently, um, yeah. and then apparently he doesn't do too well against uh, better competition, which I don't believe is true. And I've looked into the numbers and shown that his production dips against better players, but so does every player. Yeah.
2: So
1: that's just yeah, exactly. what happens when you play against better players. You score less yeah. against them than you do against uh, lower level players. But um, he's for sure my number two. Number three yeah. is where I get very kind of... I, my opinion changes literally all the time right now i'm on lucas raymond i think mm-hmm. a lot of people are talking about tim stutzel being the for sure number three three mm-hmm. pick or potentially even the number two guy yes. but i really like lucas raymond i think he's a really really smart player and i think he i think he isn't as flashy as a guy like Tim stutzel because Stutzel's more direct <laughs> and uh creates a lot more offensive plays and his his skating is probably better than raymond's is but Raymond mm-hmm. is a better playmaker. He has better IQ. He's a great shooter, obviously one of the best in the yeah. draft. Um, and I think his overall game is just more suited to having an immediate impact in the NHL. Yeah. And then over the long term, too, I think he can improve his skating and improve his, you know, dynamic skating ability. But the way he thinks the game is just—it it just seems like he's far above almost anyone else in the draft in that sense. So that's my number three. And then, obviously, um, number four is Tim Stutzel. Mm -hmm. So for me, he's – like, I already kind of described a little bit of the game, but he's a center too, which gives him a lot more value as well. Like, he has the potential to be an NHL center, so I think a lot of people are going to be looking at that and thinking he should be number three. Um, But I'm just going to base this off of talent, which is why I have him in number four. He's just Mm – he's probably – might be even the best skater in the draft, actually. I'm not I'm not entirely yeah. sure there, but he doesn't make as sm- many smart plays as guys like Lucas Raymond and Alex mm-hmm. uh, Lafreniere do. So that's why I have him at number four. And then number five, I have... It's kind of a tie between Jamie Drysdale and Marco Rossi. Mm-hmm. I, think yeah. it, I think it's very hard to separate those two guys. It's just the best defenseman in, in the draft, by far, in my opinion, in Jamie yeah, Drysdale. Yeah, for sure. I think in I don't think he will but I think he could step into the NHL next season and not have too many yeah. issues just based off of the type of the game he plays. He doesn't rely solely on his physical attributes. He's just a really smart player. He's kind of more he's more he's more simple player. He makes the, all the right passes. His skating is his skating is unbelievable. He's very good on yeah, the edges. Yeah. He he's kind of he's not uh, again, I hate comparing player Comparing him to other players, but he's kind of like Quinn Hughes in that sense. He's yeah, not as direct as like a Kale mccarr is, but he's very good on his edges. He's very good defensively. Keeps a very tight gap. Um, but I think he he'll spend another year in the OHL, and then Michael Rossi, uh, a center for the Ottawa 67s. Um, a little bit on the smaller side. Uh, and I think that's why he's going to drop in the draft. Uh, mm-hmm. Similar to you know Caulfield or Brinkett or mm-hmm. all these other guys that were kind of smaller, mm-hmm. uh, Sebastian Aho, just a bunch of guys. That, like I don't think he's gonna drop to the second round by any means. Like like some of those other no, guys, no. but I can yeah. see him falling to eight to the eight range, mm-hmm. just because of his size alone. But the the kid has everything, and yes, he dominates against you know the lower lineup people in the OHL, but he mm-hmm. also produces really well against top um, top blue line players. Again, very fast, great hands, and arguably one of the again, one of the better best skaters in the draft, simply because he needs to rely on his skating so much more just because of his size. He can't rely on his size to shield uh shield the puck. He can't rely on his size to kind of get through mm-hmm. players and get to the net. He needs to rely on his shiftiness, his agility, his stick handling
2: yeah. a little bit
1: more. And that's and those are the types of aspects that translate over to the NHL better than size does. So
0: uh-huh. that's
1: why I like him at number five as well.
0: Yeah, that's that's a great top five. Uh, For me, uh, it's obviously Lafreniere and Byfield 1 and 2. They're they're tier one for sure. And Then, like, 3, 4, and 5, it's, like, switches, like, every day almost because this is a really talented first round of the draft. There's a lot of great players. Uh, Like, going back to, like, Lucas Raymond, uh, I watched the Ivan Holinka tournament, I think it was last summer, maybe even two years ago. But I was just so impressed at Lucas Raymond's, like, the, the way he thinks the game, his compete level. Um, yeah, he just made it quite like a big impact. So mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know if he's my number three. I really do like Rossi. I like Cole Perfetti. I just love the way Cole Perfetti thinks the game. Yeah. He's got he's got a great feel yeah, for the game. I really
1: like Cole Perfetti as well. My only thing about him is I think people are might be overrating him a bit because of his performances mm-hmm. at um, the World Juniors. Yeah, where he, Obviously, he completely tore it up there and was amazing. But I think using those, you know, those couple games to base the decision off of is kind of problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, I still think he's going to a top 10 talent in this draft. No question about it. And then there's yeah. guys like, like Anton Lundell, I think,
0: could uh-huh. easily
1: be a top five pick in this draft. Yeah. And he's kind of a,
0: a safe bet, too.
1: And he's, yeah, exactly. He's a yeah. safe pick, right? If you're going for a safe guy that you know is going to be a great two-way player coming into the NHL and has all those tools basically already. But yeah. Anton Lindell is a perfect guy to kind of step into your roster at 18 or 19 years old. And then, you know, there's Gundler who falls all over the place where people draft, yeah. But he's a great goal scorer, and I think he, you know, give him one more year, and then he can probably step into the NHL.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. All right, so I want to switch the topic a little bit. Uh, who do you think the best player in the NHL is?
1: So, if we're talking about this season, I have to say Panarin. I think he uh-huh. was the best player in the league this year, hands down, just based off of this year. Uh, he absolutely carried the Rangers, just dominated uh-huh. in every facet of the game. He was a major, uh-huh. he was even really good defensively, considering he's one of the best offensive yeah. players in the NHL uh very good on the power play as well just carried that line and he was on a line with jesper fast and ryan strom not yeah, exactly yeah. the most offensively dynamic players in the league not exactly guys that have lit lit it up in previous seasons um yeah. i think ryan strom's best season was 50 points with the islanders like four years ago or something mm-hmm. like that
2: yeah
1: uh and he just tore it up with them. That was one of the best lines in the NHL, not because of Ryan Strome, not because of Jasper Shazz, but because of Bartemi Panarin. Um, and so, he, yeah, he just dominated. So, if I'm talking about this season, I'm just saying Panarin. But if I'm talking overall, it has to be Connor McDavid for me. Yeah. Uh, in, in any other year, especially, basically, ever since McDavid, McDavid come, came into the league. 's been uh-huh. the he's been the best offensive player in the NHL yeah
2: um,
1: basically after his rookie season the difference between him and everyone else in total accumulative offensive yeah. value we could say from 20 whatever what is it, 2016 to t- mm-hmm. now he he's so much better than everyone else and it's it's just absolutely ridiculous how good he is offensively he's just he like mm-hmm. I've never seen anyone like it in my lifetime. Yeah. I never, I never got to watch Gretzky. I didn't watch Lemieux really. Like I was too young when it, when all those guys yeah. played. And obviously, so I didn't get to see them play. But McDavid for me, there's, n- I've never seen anyone play the way he does. Uh, yeah. Obviously, he sacrifices a little bit of defense because of the mm-hmm. way he plays. Um, he doesn't really play that much in zone. He isn't very physical. He, uh, he doesn't participate a lot in front yeah. of the net. He doesn't cover down low as much uh he kind of relies on cassie into that and his other line mates um whoever uh-huh. that may be i think ennis he was playing with towards the end of the season uh but he's just so good offensively i think he makes up for it and i think if you you know look at the stats you look at the numbers his offense uh-huh. does make up for it in spades so uh, yeah. I, i'm gonna go with david to that
0: yeah for me i think this season like Um, I don't know maybe I'm a little bit biased because I live on the west coast and I watch a lot of like the west coast games but you watch like an Oilers game and Leon Dreisler just dominates the game like he's Mm. just like like a magnetic force like everything just pulls towards him like I think overall like if you're talking about like the best player in the league it's probably McDavid but this season like I think the Oilers wouldn't be near not near as close as they are in, uh, in standings without Dreisaitl it's kind of like a Crosby Malkin thing because there's some years where Malkin was the better player than Crosby yeah Uh, there was like a definitely two or three of those years but overall Crosby's the better player and I think that's kind of like what's happening this year
1: yeah I think I think Dreisaitl probably had a better year than McDavid did this year yeah obviously McDavid was injured for a little bit of the year I think um
2: yeah yeah and
1: Dreisaitl kind of just went off I would say they probably had equivalent seasons just Dreisaitl played more games McDavid um, mm-hmm. obviously plays plays a tougher competition, and he had worse line mates, which accounts for the difference in points between the two. So, yeah. um, like Dreisaitl, the second half of the season was playing with Yamamoto and and uh, Brian Nugent Hopkins, right? Like those were their t- those were his yeah. two, two wingers. And Yamamoto went off when he was brought up, and obviously you watched the others, so you know, Yamamoto was amazing this once he yeah. came up. Um, so I think that's why. People might be overrating Dryside a little bit in that sense. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. he's still definitely a hard contender. I personally don't mm-hmm. have him in my top three, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't. You can obviously make an argument for dry Side being being there for sure. I just think,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I just think that once New once Nugent Hopkins and Yamamoto were kind of put on the line with him, that's when he really started to dominate. And I think it goes yeah. to show that those two were a big part of the reason why he dominated so much. Because mm-hmm. you, obviously, you know, you watch the Oilers, too. You saw in November, December, just the awful two months that he had there mm-hmm. where he was just abysmal yeah. defensively, the worst player in the NHL defensively those two okay. months, basically. I don't know what happened there, whether if it was mindset, nagging injury. I don't know what the specific issue was. Mm-hmm. But that that's the reason why he's in the top three for me. It's just because those two months kind of took him out of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then on the East Coast, like like you said, Panarin, I think, is the unquestioned like MVP of the East Coast. He just like really carried the Rangers uh, from an offensive yeah. standpoint.
1: Yeah, no, I want to. I... Yeah, sorry. You go go. Ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, and then obviously, you know, it's kind of my East Coast bias, but then I'll add to it and say, Elias Pedersen, Patter- I think, 100% mm-hmm. deserves votes this year. I think yeah. him and Markstrom were the two best players on Vancouver by far. I think Elias Petterson completely carried that Vancouver offense basically and was still very solid defensively. Uh, and he, the thing with Elias Petterson is so much of his value comes from the fact that he just draws so many penalties. Yeah, yeah. And his, and because he draws so many penalties, whether you want to attribute it to him being a little bit smaller and so reps being a little bit more lenient on him or him just – you know his his skill talent speed alone makes people or makes players have have to trip him or hold him or whatever it is to kind of stop him from playing his game uh his yeah. ability to just draw penalties in my opinion almost puts him ahead of Drysdale in terms of overall talent just because of that kind of impact as well uh-huh. as having a very good defensive impact
0: yeah then yeah, uh i live in vancouver so i watch like a, a quite a bit of canucks games so like, Pedersen, just because he's such a, a talented player, whenever he's on the ice, like, the, the, the defense has to pay attention to him. Mm-hmm. And by that, like, that happening, it opens up so much space for, like, like a JT Miller or, like, a, a Besser. Yeah. and
1: I think yeah. adding JT Miller to his line, too, was such a great complementary fit. Because JT yeah. Miller, you know, he's very good at face-offs. He's very good defensively. He's very yeah. good on the forecheck and the backcheck. So I think stylistically, he really fit well with Pedersen as well and let Elevates or <laughs> elevate yeah. his game uh, a lot more, too. All
0: right. Okay, um, a few more questions before uh, we wrap this up. Who do you think is going to win the cup?
1: Man, I ha- I hate having to say this every year, but yeah. every year I end up saying it, and I look at Tampa, yeah. and I go, how are you not going to win the cup this year? <laughs> and then yeah. every year I'm wrong because Tampa, whatever happens. So, But I'm still going to stick to my gut. I'm gonna say Tampa Bay, this is their year, they win the cup. Yeah. They kill it in the play in or not in the play in round, in the round robin, I guess. They come out on top there. They're ready, they're hungry, they you know, they got swept in the first round last season and they're gonna come back with their vengeance, they're gonna be more mm-hmm. prepared this time, they're gonna know, okay, I, I can't take this easy and and you know, they're gonna be ready, ready to go. So and yeah. I think just in general, Tampa Bay is the best team in the league. They don't have a weakness. Uh, you could argue their greatest weakness is their defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, after Victor Hedman and Mikhail Sergeyev, uh, it's not as as elite. but Kevin Shadenkrieg had an amazing year. Ryan McDonough had a down year for him in terms of his style, but you know he's going to have three months, four months now to kind of rest up, whatever maybe yeah. he might have had. He may have been a little bit beat up. He might have been a little bit tired. So he'll have a chance to kind of reset. So even yeah. their defense is still insanely elite. And that's what I would consider the biggest weakness for them.
0: Yeah. The thing that I love about hockey is just like the parody, like anything can happen at any time. Yeah. And I, I would say Tampa is my favorite too, but I also look at like, I look at like the Avalanche and like the Bruins and the and even Vegas they didn't have the greatest season, but I still think they're a threat. Or like the Capitals, Penguins. Like anyone could win. Like that's Yeah. yeah like
1: I, I can see I can see the abs winning for sure. I can say see I can see St. Louis you know having a repeat season. Yeah. Bennington was amazing this year again. Ryan O'Reilly Was great again. Vladimir Tarasenko is going to be back in in the in the team, and they performed really well even Mm -hmm. without him.
2: Yeah,
1: getting back a forty goal score into their lineup on top of everything else is really great. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have guys like Robert Thomas in the bottom six of their lineup, who you know, like he's he's very he's a very very good player, very and he's still very young and he has time to improve. Mm -hmm. He's going to come in fresh and ready. So I can see St. Louis taking it. I can see Pittsburgh. Coming in strong yeah. again, they had an elite off- offensive team, like we already talked about with, uh, uh-huh. when we broke down their uh, playoff matchup. But I can see, yeah, I can see a couple teams taking it this year. The Bruins as well, obviously. They're always yeah. good.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay, so two more things. One is, um, what are your thoughts on, like, a, a Wayne Gretzky award given out for the most assists in a season?
1: Yeah, I saw you posted that. Yeah. Uh, I kind of i like that idea i yeah. i'm all for adding new awards i kind of want to add i'm also for creating an Ovechkin award like the ov or something like that for yeah. most power play goals so <laughs> i like that yeah. idea well i would love to have like a gretzky award i i'm like it's kind of unbelievable that they don't have an award for gretzky considering he's the best yeah he's like almost unanimously the best player of all time yeah
0: yeah, it's funny because when I when I posted that, like some people were like, Oh, like it should be for only primary assists. And then some people said, Oh, it should be only for secondary assists. And then someone said it should be for shot assists. Yeah, so, I like,
1: don't I don't like the idea yeah. of secondary assists because no. secondary assists is a dumb way to evaluate players, in my opinion. Yeah. Extremely random. Uh primary assists would be interesting. Uh power play assists would be interesting. Yeah. Um, you can kind of take it any way you want it'd be kind of fun but I don't see the NHL doing that because they don't like to change things up really
0: yeah so I, I don't know if you uh, saw this but uh it was a tweet I posted so Ducks GM Bob Murray said he tried to stay out of the dressing room this season to allow Dallas Eakins to coach but now he feels that was a mistake some of the kids were allowed to get away with murder this year and that's over accountability in this group is going to change and reminder that Dallas Eakins is still the coach and he's saying that so what are your thoughts on that?
1: Whoa! He came out and said that. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, that's a not a good indictment of your coach right there. Yeah. But I don't know what the hell. The thing Bob Murray said that right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the thing is, Bob Murray's done an awful job as GM over the last couple of years, so I don't think uh-huh. he can talk about yeah. whatever Dallas Eakins is doing. I don't think Dallas Eakins is an amazing coach by any means. Um, but Bob Murray's made a complete mess of the team over the, basically ever since the expansion draft, losing uh, Shea Theodore in the yeah. in that draft, and then uh, Brandon Montour going to Buffalo. Um, basically, yeah. the entire team falling off, um, assigning all these aging veterans to big long-term deals. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think. He, <laughs> I mean, that that if he doesn't believe in his coach, then and his coach's ability to keep everyone on the straight and narrow kind of then why does he have a coach why does he have that coach at all so yeah uh, i think that's a worse indictment of bob murray than it is on his coach
0: yeah all right well i thought that was a a terrific podcast thank you for uh coming on
1: yeah no problem buddy it was like thanks for
0: having me Alright everyone, that was episode 5 of the Nuts About Pucks podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed and make sure to follow at News IG on Instagram for more hockey content. Stay tuned for episode 6 next
2: week. Bye!